Welcome to a special presentation of Behind the Scenes, where Marvel vs. Marvel revisits the production histories of some of your favourite Marvel movies and TV shows and undercovers how they made it to the screen in the first place. If you're joining us for the first time, our full-length episodes are packed with the kind of insight and behind-the-scenes notes on your favourite Marvel movies. Let's uh, hand the reins over to Will Preston, who uh, is here to make sense of the dollars and cents. Always making sense of the dollars and cents. Right, this is the fifth X-Men movie. I don't care if, you, if you don't recognise Last Stand. Even if I do, it can't possibly... Oh, I see what you're doing. Okay, crack yeah. on. I see what you're, you're counting spin-offs. I was about to say, yeah, I see what you're doing. Counting films in order. Counting all the films. Count yeah. using your math skills, Will. <laughs> I see I see where you've gone wrong here. <laughs> I, I understand why you like Batman Begins so much with his cat with his practical uh, uniform and the montage of whatever. Anyway, first of all yeah, we ha- that one really got away from you. <laughs> that, that one, you know you know in your search. It seemed like you were heading down a joke point and then in the middle you went, Nope, I've got nothing at the end of this abandoned ship. No, no, I, I was going down the highway really fast, and I missed my turning off, and I went, no, I, no, I've done. Okay. Anyway, X-Men in 2000 had a budget of $75 million. Box office was $296.3 million. Uh, very good, very good. Uh, I don't care what you say, I still count the rule of three. X-Men 2 released two. And we years. kind of think that's, I mean, that's sort of the first Marvel superhero movie, yes, really. that's great I returns. mean, Blade... Blade is a little bit of a uh, a grey area um, on account of how it was presented. It's a grey area. There's loads of vampires. <laughs> yeah, is it a superhero movie? Is it you know? I I um, I, I, I don't think we count things like about vampire skin grey. Oh, for the love of God! What? Why would why would vampire skin be great? Because that's they're not a, undead. If you, if and you they sit stay someone the down, if you sit someone down and say to them, "Please list five things about vampires," none of them are saying, "Oh, great skin." That's bang up there on my list. Yeah. Well, like whitish skin. Oh. <laughs> I am. Will's got his, I am filled with rage right he's now. He's got his face in his hands now. And the funny thing about that is that if you were uh, see our live show uh, video, <laughs> you can see him do it. In real time, it's pretty great. Um, I also annoy you, so, so we, we 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 all get something it, out yeah. of it. it. So yeah, I think that, that, that X Men two thousand is what I think we look at as is the first real Marvel superhero movie. Yes, uh, it. I mean, yeah, the first real Marvel superhero movie, and then uh, we get X Men two in two thousand three, uh, budget of one hundred and ten to one hundred twenty five million dollars, uh, and a box office of four hundred and seven point seven million. So again very successful and <laughs> there we come to x-men last stand 2006 uh, budget 210 million uh, at this point in time up to first class the most expensive x-men film is that right the wow most expe- i'm looking at the, the first five films it's the, out of the first five the most expensive x-men film uh, and that made back a box office of 460.4 million still a good amount but not uh, as big a ratio as the first two. 
So there was definitely some drop-off. Um, then we have, in 2009, X-Men Origins Wolverine, made at a budget of $150 million. Uh, The box office, uh, $373.1 million. So uh, that's, that's, that's a really fantastic return. That is a good return. But there's now we're starting off a downward trend of how much box office you're getting. But this is different. Um, you can't you you can't say that X Men Origins Wolverine is the fourth X Men movie. You just can't. There's only one X Men in it. It's, it doesn't trade. It doesn't have. It doesn't there, trade on the, in the same way. I don't several, think there are several X Men. in Well, there. yeah, they they cram a load in because they were like, oh crap, we've only got one person. <laughs> I, Quickly, I, turn them to that place. Turn to New Orleans. Oh. It's just not quite the same. I don't think. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I again, think I I, 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 I see that as part one of the Wolverine franchise, and I see that as quite a um, quite a great debut. Really, one fifty turning into three seven three. It's a good debut. I, I tell you what, are we going to cover the second Wolverine film? Is Absolutely, it, yeah. Oh, thank God for the that. Wolverine. The uh, later this year, by the end of this year, we're covering that. Fantastic. This is going to be the year of the X Men. Hopefully, by the time we get reach the end of the year, uh, we'll hear a special announcement from Mister Feige. Wink, wink at... I don't have a camera to wink at. Great. Uh, Okay, and then finally, we have, in 2011, X-Men First Class, the film we're dealing with today. Budget, 140 to 160 million. Box office, 300... uh, Sorry, 353.6 million. Not... Still good, but not not as great as... That's very good. Not not as good as the first two films. The ratios. Uh, No, but but they did a lot of damage to themselves, didn't they? (laughs) How did they damage themselves with this one? They made X-Men 3 and they made X-Men Origins Wolverine. That damages the franchise because yeah. they were bad films. Yeah, this is true. That people did not enjoy. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. That's it, So there's a thing in wrestling, right? Where There's always a thing in wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, I know where you're going. Tonight's show affects the house of next month, right? Yeah. You can get people in through the door by saying we've got a steel cage match and we're going to have a blood and guts match and and we're going to have a a guy uh, jumping around on a horse. And people will come in through the door. But if when they get there, the horse isn't a horse, it's a donkey. And the steel cage match falls apart before anyone actually gets in or out. And the blood and guts match, there's no actual real exciting violence in it. People aren't going to come back the next month, no matter what you promise them. And that's yeah. kind of what... Like, getting people through the door the first time is is a trick. <laughs> that's all it is. It's a marketing trick. The quality of the movie is what grows the next movie. See, um, this is why I think we should have done Last Stand, because we could have delved into why it failed. Why it kicked off a downward trend. I've said it... I've done the Phoenix Saga. We did 10 hours on it. We, the best Phoenix saga, we did it. We've got it in the archives. It's one of our most, you know, well-respected and popular series. If you want me, I'll say it. You know what? We'll set it up. If you want me to do X Men: The Last Stand, you guys are going to have to like donate to a, a, a like a. You're going to have to like put up hundreds of pounds to make this happen. We'll set up a GoFundMe or something, and you guys will be able to chip in. A GoFund yourself. And if, as an audience, you all decide to make me watch that goddamn movie, uh, I'll do it, but it will cost you. I'm going to set a limit. It's going to cost, like, I don't know, 300 quid or something. And you'll all have to chip in your fivers and your £10 and your £1. And if you can make it up to the top level, then I'll have to do it. But I'm not doing it 
I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't think you guys want it that much, so it's not happening. It's you, essentially you, the you end of the day. You are such a miserable person. <laughs> I did 10 hours on Phoenix! <laughs> so miserable. You want me to do that one and then another Phoenix movie? Till I mean, the end of time. We, sh- we will also do Dark Phoenix for the sheer sake of it. Just so that's I what can- I'm saying. You want me to do two more Phoenix movies? Just, I don't so we, two. just so we can yell at them. Just so we can discuss how bad they are. It would be really funny. Do you know what behind the page would be on those episodes? Yeah. I've done this. Go and listen to it. <laughs> Turn this off and go and listen to the other one. I've done this. I'm not reading it again. <laughs> I'm not putting the research in again. Anyway, you've got stuff to say. <laughs> I have got stuff to say. I, apparently you do too. Uh, right, got some uh, good juicy production notes here. Okay, so though ostensibly a prequel to the entire X-Men film franchise, this movie deliberately ignores continuity continuity points. Continuity. Continuity points. I don't know how I got that wrong. Continuity mm-hmm. points of X-Men Last Stand and X-Men Origins Wolverine. Good. Uh, that's a good idea. Very good idea. <laughs> this is how you get rid of the bad smell. You start again. Uh, director Matthew Vaughan. Or is it uh, is Matthew Vaughan, isn't it, director? Yes, it is. Director Matthew Vaughan. Uh, explained his intention was to make a good film that could stand on its own two feet regardless of all the other films. And Revolutionary concept here Rev- by Director Matthew. <laughs> I want to make a good film! <laughs> We're gonna, Guys, I'm going to make a good film here. Okay, great. That's what you're I'm literally not, I'm not paid sure your directing history holds up to that, Matthew Vaughan. Hey, Layer Cake was fun. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. <laughs> How, how, how does layer cake rate on your weird uh, idiosyncratic oh, it's so weird. System? It's so weird. Five is an average score out of ten. <laughs> how bizarre. Okay, how I haven't is... seen it in a long time. Okay, fair enough. I thought it was great. Uh, no, no, come on. I'm ignoring you now. And also, that could reboot and start a whole new X-Men franchise. Writer Jane Good uh, Goldman looked at the film as an alternate history for the X-Men. Through a reboot, the writers did not want to go fully against the canon of the X-Men trilogy, citing the various approaches the comic had in over 50 years of publication. And here is a major problem with this movie and the franchise. Mm-hmm. They want to... Have you got the... Can you write down a, a bleep moment for me? Get ready with the bleep. Okay. They want to sh- the bed and sleep in it. You can't do both. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to... Sh- the bed you got to change the sheets if you want to sleep in the bed you got to use the potty and it's as simple as that folks um another way of saying that is have your cake, cake and eat, eat it, it. Well, i don't i don't like that as a phrase i like the bed and sleep in it you can't do both you there's this mealy mouthed terrified terrified hollywood executives who are too scared to make a decision so out of the two opposing things they could do they go we'll do both at the same time and take a mealy mouth watered down milk toast middle road and it is it it hinders this movie and it hinders the franchise this should have been a full reboot 100 percent. we're gonna get a full reboot hopefully when it gets uh, into the mcu but i don't know i think they 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 screwed the pooch on this one Big time, and I don't think creatively. I think from 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 some of the comments that I've 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 seen from the people that are involved in this movie, it's so much they were told to do this and they were asked to do that, and we have to have this in there, and it's just is just creativity by committee, which is yeah. death by a thousand cuts. 
So that's okay. I like the film, uh, but I totally. I, I I don't dislike the film. I think it's an example, but I the, it could be so much more. It has so much potential that it wastes. Yeah. Um, because it's like oh, but also here's some stuff from the other movies that we kind of ruined for the last five years. <laughs> Okay, the film was originally supposed to be a prequel about Magneto. Screenwriter Sheldon Turner wrote a treatment which he described as X-Men meets the pianist. The story focused... <laughs> I know, right? The story focused on Magneto... He just, he just means the Holocaust. That's all he means. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't ex- going to have any of the, like... It wasn't going to be like the pianist, Sheldon. <laughs> It just you just mean it's about a Jewish person that survived the Holocaust. That's not... I've never okay. seen the pianist. Is any good? Yes, um, it's not exactly a raucous fun time movie, <laughs> but it is. You know, it's a it's a really it's a really um, it's a really kind of solemn drama. Yeah, I like a bit of solemn. That's good. Uh, the story focused on Magneto's early years as a prisoner of war in a Nazi concentration camp until liberation by a squad of Allied forces led by Charles Xavier. They later <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I you heard me. Uh, liberation by a squad of Allied forces led. By Charles Xavier. Didn't How that happen old in the cartoon? was Charles Xavier going to be in this movie? Didn't that didn't happen in the cartoon? That was that they, they they did that in the cartoon, like he was a prisoner of war in an unspecified conflict, and Charles saved him or liberated him, or they were fighting side by side or something. That's how they met in the cartoon. We, we'll we'll get we'll get to it because I think yeah. the cartoon, as ever, is very faithful to a certain story that is part of their history. Yeah, yeah and of course they had to not mention the word Nazi and yeah, <laughs> really this, gloss over things. This Magneto movie mm-hmm. was being talked about yep. in in Wizard magazine mm-hmm. as soon as the X Men movie came out. It was yeah. like, oh, it's going to be Ian McKellen. Um, who was not a sir at the time? I don't think. Um, Pre-sir play, it's going to be going to be a Magneto movie all on its own, all about Ian McKellen and mm. Magneto. Like as soon as the first X Men movie came out, I remember and it was every every like Empire would talk about yeah, it all I the time. This. Wizard would talk about it all the time. It would keep coming up as it's in developmental hell. It's in development hell, and it's not got the green light and. Yeah, because yeah. I, I remember hearing about they were going to do an origin series, and the only things they really yeah. talked about were Wolverine and Magneto, and it was like, okay. So it seems like with this film, this was the all-encompassing origin series in one film. Yeah, they just went, oh, instead of doing that, because they're not popular anymore. I uh, I thought it was the right way of going about it. I thought it was the right way. Okay, obviously the, uh, the, there were there things in this in, in, that we, we, already, we already talked about, barely into the production notes, that they could have done better. Agreed. But I think getting all the stories together as one, because X-Men is a team thing, not a single thing. You can't have a single X. You, okay, you can have it to a degree, but I think it's better and more efficient just to have it all, all in one go and weave the stories together. Efficient movies with Will Preston. Every week I analyse the the most efficient way <laughs> of having fun. Absolute on mystery a movie. why I'm married to a German. Absolute <laughs> mystery. If I was making this movie yeah. and they wouldn't let me, they called the police. Um, I would have. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> I would have had this be. I love the Cuban Missile Crisis idea. Mm. I love the um, the the sixties vibe. Yeah. Um, and I loved having. I would have had this entirely be Sebastian Shaw mm-hmm. um, as the bad guy yep. with not a lot of mutants, maybe one other, maybe Emma Frost. 
yeah, that was causing right. all this hell, showing what one slash two mutants can do, and that's terrifying. Charles and and Eric are trying to oppose him on their own, no students, and it being like the caught in the different directions. We have loads of cool action scenes and powers and fights and chases and all of that because we've got loads. We've got three or four mutants. That's enough. And then at the end, we get Magneto off goes to build the Brotherhood. Charles goes off to build the X-Men. Um, I just think that would have been cleaner, sharper, crisper. Yeah, but instead you need, you we need get more mutants. so many characters. You need more mutants. No, you don't. You need more mutants for Didn't the help Wolverine Origins. In fact, it made it a lot worse. <laughs> they had 16 freaking mutants in that movie, and it was terrible. Do you, do you know what it's like with some of these X... We will get back onto the production in just a sec, but just one thing. Do you know what it's like with, the, with these X-Men films? It's like when you go shopping, and you have things you're supposed to do, and then you go, oh, I'll get that as well, oh, I'll get that as well, and then suddenly your little basket's overflowing with extra stuff you got on a whim because you thought, oh, you get that as well. <laughs> That's what happened with these X-Men films. I went, oh, we could fit that in. People like the blob. We could put the blob in. Oh, people like that one. We should put him in there. Or we could get have Deadpool, you- but have him shut up it's like when have you, have you seen uh, the key and peel sketch about the sequels the the guy at hollywood who's in charge of sequels no in the 80s i need to 90s. watch more of them they're, it's they're so, so funny but he just yeah. walks around ruining gremlins 2 by by asking every single person what kind of gremlin would you like to see and no one goes electricity gremlin he's in the movie and you uh sexy marilyn monroe gremlin it's in the movie next <laughs> and at the end he walks out going well you've done a great job i'm off to put cowboys in back to the future three bye <laughs> that's that's who's in charge of all these x-men sequels this dude who's like he keeps getting phone calls from comic book creators going hey could you i, I created the blob and he's really great could you put him in the movie uh, he's in the movie don't worry and then another phone call can you put like gambit but not gambit in the movie oh gambit's definitely in this movie yeah sure <laughs> Sure, why worse, not? Worse than Netflix. Absolutely worse than Netflix. Uh, where was I anyway? Okay, so but, but, where was it? It was supposed to be uh, X-Men meets the pianist, uh, talking about the Magneto Origins film. Uh, the story focused on Magneto's early years as a prisoner of war. Oh, sorry, that was already read. Uh, they later meet after the war and become friends, uh, Charles and uh, Eric, and later become rivals. The studio decided to change the film's direction to the early years of the X-Men, but incorporate aspects of Turner's script into the film. So... Yep, good. So again, they had they had two different ideas, and their option, and the choice they made was let's keep both. <laughs> it's a bro- let's keep all the stuff from that other movie, and then do another movie. It's a bold move. I'll give them oh that. god, it's just, it they, again. It's just it's, these Hollywood executives are terrified. There is no clear driving creative, and I I don't I'm I'm not here to. Uh, perform fellatio on on Marvel movies, Marvel Marvel Studios, whatever it's called. But they they seem to be the people who have this clear di- creative direction, yep. and they go, "This is what we're going to do." Whereas Fox and DC, you know, Warner Bros. or whatever, it seems to be like, "Well, we'll throw this spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks." It 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 feels it feels like they took a lot of more risks back in the day with films, but that's a definitely conversation for another time. On directing the film and writing the story, Matthew Vaughan said, The first scene I wrote was the Auschwitz, or the concentration camp scene with the little kid, because I thought, what's the best way of doing a prequel? I thought, let's just start it shot for shot with the beginning of X-Men, and then 
Let's see what happened after he pulled the gate. And that scene, for me, is the crunch of the movie. That makes you feel sorry for Magneto. It makes you want to see him kick some effing Nazi ass. And then I also thought it was a very good way of showing the whole thing with Nazism and their obsession with genetic mutation and the whole blue-eyed, blonde-haired stuff and experiments they did. I thought it was a very natural way of starting and then flipping to Professor X. You've got Magneto in a concentration camp, you've got Professor X wandering around this huge mansion, and I thought, what a great way of starting off. So... They were the first things I wrote, and then you had to figure out how do they become friends? How do they fall out? How does uh, Charles get crippled? And how does Magneto become Magneto? And it was hard, because Fox kept saying, this movie is all about the friendship between them. And I was like, guys, they only want, they only get to see each other for three effing weeks. So I have to somehow make it believable so that you care. And Brian came up. Yeah, that, that was another big issue, was that, you know, it was impossible to think that there was this... You know, really strong bond and friendship between them when they barely knew each other. They are from. I'll get more into it. I've, I wrote notes about it. They are from two different worlds, and I'll get into that later. And Brian, no, they, they are. But this is like the, the problem with Thor one. Yeah, Thor one, in which Thor leans, learns humility in the course of a single afternoon. <laughs> Cursed to live on Earth, banished to Earth for maybe a day. This is the same here. It's like we're meant to have this... in Because we don't see it... This is the problem with prequels. Man, this is the problem with prequels. Because we don't see it. In X-Men 1 and 2, and maybe there was a third one, we had this illusion that there was this deep, strong friendship and bond and, and relationship between um, Charles and Eric. Yeah. And that is alluded to, and so it forms part of the almost the mythology of the movies you're watching the backstory and then when you actually see it you go oh they didn't know it they barely met each other again they was they knew each other for less than a month like you've mentioned this is not a great strong bond you've mentioned this before i think you said it's the problem with prequels the problem with prequels it it just it just unravels things and goes stop shut yeah stop shining a light on these things you don't need to you don't Um, it's also the problem with movies um, instead of TV shows or long form narratives yeah. like comic book series, but yeah, that's another thing for another time. Uh, and Brian came up with the Cuban Missile Crisis. I didn't know much about it. I'm English. We didn't really learn much about it at school. And BS. I didn't <laughs> learn about the Cuban we- Missile Crisis in school. I didn't do history. You, but you had GCSE history. You no, had to. no, no. I didn't do GCSE history. Of course you did. No, I did. Of course you I did. I had the option not to do GCSE history. I chose to do double science and music. What an insane school that was. Yeah. You could not do history. <laughs> no, you can do history if you chose it. I'm saying you could not do history. No. You could choose to not learn history. Yes. That's insane. I, That's dangerous. Looking back at it, I would have <laughs> liked to have learned about dangerous. history. Yeah, yeah, it's quite necessary. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I, I heard I heard about what you know what they learned in history. It was mostly just, you know, Second World War, twentieth century stuff. Yeah, like the Cuban Missile Crisis. Didn't learn about the Cuban... Oh, yeah, they, they did learn about communism <laughs> really and stuff back stuff then. Really important stuff of when yeah. all of humanity was nearly wiped out. Well, there we go. Instead, I did double science and music, and look I where I think that you were at me. school with Matthew Vaughan. <laughs> <laughs> he did go to Crofton School in uh, Stubbington. Uh, I didn't know much about it. I'm English. We didn't really learn much about school. So when I read about the Cuban Missile Crisis, I thought our version made more sense in history than the real one. 
It's the idea that we nearly went to nuclear war. I cannot believe that happened. Where? If because there... you didn't win about it, you idiots. I know. I, I'm reading this out now going, what the hell's going on here? Where, if there was a bad supervillain making all that stuff happen, it makes more sense. Okay, I admit. Reading up on the Cuban Missile Crisis and everything to do with Cold War stuff, it's mental. I, I think the, the division of Germany as well is, is... I still can't get my head around it because that's utterly mental. And not... We don't want to touch... We don't want to touch on this at all, but... We planned this movie in advance, and good lord, the world around us right now—it's like we're this is a this is like a prescient subject to be on. We're right back there again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the new Cold War, the new uh, the new nuclear um, standoff. Yeah, yeah, man. I don't I don't know how we keep doing these things, but it keeps happening. We keep picking a movie and. Or, or a project to do, slotting it in, and then it relates to things that are happening in the real world. Do you know, on a little slight quick tangent, I saw a really good tweet about this, about how te- you know society and technology <coughs> is advanced, and we're still sort of in the same place. Someone said, I can watch live footage of people fighting in Ukraine right now, but first of all, I have to watch two adverts uh, for Domino's, uh, Domino's Pizza. Yeah, Domino's I saw the same thing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's it was a like broken world, and it's everything's horrible except for this podcast. It's almost, it's almost, it's, to me, that's living satire. It's just perfect. Anyway, back, away from that, back to the back to the film facts. Fun film facts. Sorry, I bumped my microphone there. You punched it. You really punched it. I, I was heard doing that. a jovial <laughs> little way, and then I punched the microphone, and now I'm going to the jail uh matthew vaughan instructed the cast to do away with all the accents in their performances james mcavoy had planned to copy patrick stewart's voice since mcavoy was going to play a younger version of stewart savior but vaughan quashed it vaughan also told roseburn that moira mctaggart would not have her trademark scottish accent in the film to the scottish mcavoy's mild disappointment (laughs) wow what's your thoughts on that We'll go into more, I reckon, in the film. Uh, what, uh, what, 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 just not having accents? I don't really care. Doesn't, eh, not that fussed. This I'm is all not about Moira the costumes. Mc... Don't care about accents. This is, I'm all this about is not. This is not Moira McTaggart. This is a CIA agent, so that doesn't matter. Yeah. And him not sounding exactly like Patrick Stewart, I'm not that fussed. He's, he, I didn't, I didn't expect him to be. I, don't, I think it's. I think it's pretty. I, I generally think it's pretty stupid to have people doing impressions in a movie. The impression is, I want the acting to be good. I want the emotional weight. I want to feel the dramatic weight. I don't care about whether... To me, that's just like a special effect. I think it's stupid to focus on it. I'll move on. The uniform- well, what's your opinion? What's your opinion on the accents? I, I thought I thought it was uh, just a funny little factoid to put in there, but apparently uh, it, uh, just, it's just a damp fart. Left no, no, in. sorry, I, I didn't realise... Oh, you you, you I, asked me for my opinion on the accents, and I'm I, like, I don't really care. I was a bit miffed that Laura McTaggart was transformed into sexy CIA agents. Because <laughs> I always knew Laura McTaggart from the cartoon as Scottish scientist, and it felt a bit... What are we yeah, doing? What are weird, we doing? isn't it? Yeah, I'll talk about that later, but I, I would have loved to hear... <laughs> James McAvoy to a Patrick Stewart impression. I know it would have been really distracting and probably damaging to the film, but I would love that. I would love that so much. I would love to go to a parallel universe and see that. It's not an overly strong accent, is it? Really? I mean, I don't think I don't know how how much it lends because certainly in in, in, in the X Men movies, as opposed to Star Trek, it's yeah. not a particularly strong. He's Very much so. more he's much more thespian and Shakespearean in Star Trek. Yeah, but it's 
Patrick Stewart's Patrick Stewart, mate. Let's let's not mince words. The, you'll like this. The uniforms the X-Men wear are coloured blue and yellow in homage to the original blue-yellow suits the X-Men wore in the comics from 1963, their debut, until original artist and co-creator Jack Kirby's departure from the book. So, that's nice. They got the colour scheme right, Rob. They got the colour scheme right. When will you be happy? When there are costumes in Marvel movies. Let me tell you who I'm happy with. I'm happy with uh, Sam Wilson's Captain America costume. Good, good. It's incredible. Um, I like the original Captain America costume. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, Iron Man, War Machine are pretty good. Has anything excited you? How do you mean? In terms of costumes in any oh. MCU film and TV show. D- the Captain America one excited the crap out of me when I saw it. I was just so... The 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 the, the, the seeing the Falcon as Cap, yeah, it, it, it was brilliant. I mean, and I was just like, why can't we have this all the time? The Moon Knight one um, looks pretty exciting to me. Um, that like, looks like a proper proper costume. I get the feeling you've been sending endless letters in for years, and they finally go. For <laughs> God's sake, he's never going to stop doing this. Yeah, but also we shouldn't. We should. We should try and remember that I'm I'm a middle aged man. I don't feel excitement anymore. At all, I need a special pill. You've said this before, and I wanted to go, no, but then I realised, God, I haven't felt excitement in a long no. time, well, apart from the why live show. Live show, you, I was excited. You? Yeah, no one feels it. Past a certain age, kids, you stop feeling excited about things. Um, and everything just gets... You still feel fear, irrational fear and <laughs> sorrow, but no more excitement. Let's let's put irrational fear under excitement, just to make things more positive. <clears throat> to prepare for his role as Charles Xavier, James McAvoy shaved his head and learned that the filmmakers want Xavier to have a full head of hair in the prequel. Through the first month of filming, McAvoy had to wear hair extensions. I mean, that That's... is a, either a colossal miscommunication or the <laughs> studio changed their mind. I mean... Either way, it's hilarious. Oh, God. Uh, in the comics, um, the... The hair loss is nothing to do with age. Really? Yeah. Um, Xavier loses his hair at like 19 or 20 when he first starts to use his... Um, when his telepathic powers start to really come in, his hair falls out. Um, I'll use that but he is He time. is a youngster. He's a, he's a young guy. Mm. Um, uh, I, I know how it feels to be to go bald at a young age. It's horrible. Eesh, yeah. Yeah. you still got some fluff... Don't see me from behind. Never, it's <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah. It's, Above it's, and behind is my worst angle. No, no, from the side was worse for me. And when you walk under a light, suddenly it's just a cloud. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, final one. Uh, Hugh Jackman accepted the opportunity to cameo as Logan uh, when he learned he would be the only character in the film to use the F word. He improvised the line, go F yourself, after using the seven other takes to say F off. <laughs> <laughs> the reaction from McAvoy and Fassbender to the different line was authentic. Thanks for joining us as we revisit some of our favourite moments from Marvel vs. Marvel. Don't forget our full-length episodes are jam-packed with hours of Marvel trivia, behind-the-page, behind-the-scenes and comic book Marvel history. Marvel.